Are you tired of working nine to five? Are you tired of your dreams going unfulfilled? Are you still letting fear stop you from pursuing that business idea? Well, all that stops today. I'm Shawnee Sanders, host of The Girl Take No Podcast, a podcast for ambitious women looking to ditch their nine to five and take the leap into entrepreneurship. Each week, you will learn the mindset, methods, and actionable steps other successful entrepreneurs took to make the shift from full-time employee to full-time entrepreneur and live the life they always dreamed of. Now let's get into today's episode. Guys, and welcome back to another episode of the Girl Taking a Podcast, where we dive deep into the lives of trailblazing women, sharing their stories of leadership, resilience, and innovation. I'm your host, Shawnee Sanders, and this is episode five of our Trailblazing Women, Exceptional Stories of Female Leaders series. Today, we are honored to bring you a true champion for change, the story of Virginia LaCoy. Virginia LaCoy is not just a leader. She's a visionary, a trailblazer who believes in the power of the mind to bring about transformative change. As the co-founder and CEO of Massive, a groundbreaking coaching practice, Virginia is on the forefront of guiding business leaders to not just succeed, but to use their influence for systematic change. But who is Virginia, really? A certified mind coach? A pioneer for communication and social and organizational change? A complexity scientist and a systematic leader expert? Yes, I know, those are her titles but that barely scratches the surface of her true impact. Driven by her profound belief that an unchallenged mind is easy to colonize, Virginia is changing the game one leader at a time. In today's episode, we'll explore Virginia's journey on how her innovative approach to reshaping leadership and why her work is crucial to today's complex world. From her early inspirations to her bold visions for the future, we're diving deep into the mind and mission of a true champion for change. So go ahead and grab your notebooks, take a seat, and let's get inspired as we uncover the remarkable story of Virginia LaCoy, a woman who's not just leading the way, but is paving an entirely new path for leaders around the world. Virginia, welcome to the Girl Techno Podcast. So glad you were able to make it to the show. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Yes. So let's jump off into um, something regarding your journey, because it's interesting spanning across um, continents, of course, and discipline. Could you share with us a pivotal moments that led you from Nicaragua in France to becoming a CEO and a mindset coach here um, in Austin? Yes. Um, well, I was born in France, but I mm -hmm. was raised in Nicaragua, actually in different countries in Latin America, but mostly Nicaragua. So I feel Nicaraguan. And that, I think, Nicaragua was the first turning point for me because I, yes. my, all, all my school years were during the war, the Sandinista War in the 80s. And so mm -hmm. I, had the, I, I had to experience firsthand what, what social injustice was about and, you know, all the values or the ideologies about social justice and economic inequality and, and class differences and all that yeah. during that process. But also during that process, I realized that patriarchy was, you know, consumerist capitalism and the mm -hmm. difference um, were very oppressive. But that was not the only oppression that we experienced, especially all the marginalized groups, all the historically uh, discriminated and oppressed groups like women especially yeah. young people, people with disabilities, people from the queer community, um, people from different ethnicities. I realized, okay, this is not just about economics. It's about all kinds of oppressions and how everything is really very linked with each other. You know, they, they, the oppressive system, what I call the, the, the modern oppressive or colonizing systems, Mm -hmm. four, and they interact with each other in a way that is so perfect and so entangled that we 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 cannot see it. Yeah. So we have we have uh, what I call now our main challenge as humans is decolonize our mind from the four colonizers. That is consumerist capitalism in, in first place, but also patriarchy, white supremacy, and institutionalized mm -hmm. religions. All four systems create a set of beliefs that 
work like a propaganda machine that make us believe that those systems ideas are ours and are mm-hmm. true. And we go by life without challenging them, without questioning them. And therefore, it's like the system use our brain, our mind, our behavior to keep the system in place and reproduce them over and over and over. And that means to yeah. reproduce the oppression over and over and over through our own behavior. So since that moment, since I was very, very young, my mission in life, my purpose in life became to understand how the human mind works, mm-hmm. therefore why we behave the way we behave and how can we change individually, but also collectively. Yeah. So I, I went through a, like a very long, complicated, complex uh, path of understanding and learning and trying and experimenting and practicing a lot of strategies. So I became an activist, uh, a practitioner. I worked for a nonprofit uh, organization, the nonprofit sector, including big foundations like the United Nations and others. I I went to many countries. I worked with organizations in four continents, seeing how really we're not that different, how the Mm -hmm. systems are the same everywhere with with small cultural uh, nuances, but they're the same. And that what we know from the social sciences were not enough to really understand why we kept sustaining these kind of systems. Mm-hmm. So I went back to college later after having a long career and a very successful career as a practitioner in the nonprofit sector and especially on communication for social change and developing, designing, developing, implementing several communication campaigns that were very successful. Nobody and no social theory could really explain the success of those strategies. So I found, I I ran across uh, complexity science and complexity science really gave me a lot of the answers that I was looking for. So I became a system thinking. I became a um, an expert on complexity together mm-hmm. with all my background on communication for social change as an activist, as a feminist. And all that together helped me realize that for us to really shake the system, for us mm-hmm. to really change the way things are and the wrongs in the world, we need to develop uh, a different kind of mindset and a different mm-hmm. kind of strategy, a, a different kind of leadership. And so that led me to today, uh, Massive is, is a short for Massive Systemic Change, is the firm mm-hmm. that, I, that I'm the CEO and co-founder of. And Massive, uh, the purpose of Massive, or Massive is a, is a firm that advise and coach and equip uh, business leaders, mostly CEO and founders, and especially women, mm-hmm. and especially women that come from historically marginalized groups to become history shapers, or yes. at least system shakers. And is to provide them the, the different sets of skills and understanding and paradigms they need to really to effectively change the system they're part of. So that's what we do at Massive. And that that means that for me, I combine all my background and my knowledge and my own values and experience as a feminist, as a, as a person that understands social justice in a very broad way. Mm-hmm. My, my, actually, my experience in the field, so it's not just theory, it's all the experience and the successes that I have in the field, with my background as an academic, uh, understanding communication for development, communication for social change, social mobilization, complexity science, with also my certification as a mindset coach to combine all those tools and to provide together with my partner to provide the what, what we think are the main four ingredients for a system shaker or hopefully a history shaper. That is, do you want to know what those ingredients are? Yeah, of course. What it you know, I wanted to say one thing before you mentioned that. It's so, I think it's so fascinating when we talk about like everything that I think we, we are, who we become is around our mindset. And for you to be in a space of where you said it starts with, we help them change their mindset to thinking and try to break those, 
those systems, systematic, systematic way of thinking because those systems have been put in place for so long and a lot of people are so afraid to go against them and to change that mindset, to try to bring in and do something differently. Like I said, become those history shifters and those um, trailblazers. Um, I think it's absolutely amazing where it all starts with their mindset, you know, um, and changing the way people think and see um, the world the way it is. Because like you said, we've been so used to the way things are being African-American, myself being um, discriminated against, right. Being looked as in a certain way. And when it comes to black maternal health, you know, when black women and, you know, us going out doctors expressing, uh, being our own health advocates is so many things, but I think it's so cool that to deal with the leadership aspect of it, specifically women and being able to help them shift their mindset to be those leaders. I think that's absolutely amazing. Absolutely. The, for me, the first step that everybody should take, and especially us that we come from, uh, the, you know, marginalized groups mm -hmm. and oppressed groups, is to is the process that I call decolonize your mind, mm. and it's, it's a process. It's a mindset process yeah. that helps you decolonize your mind from the main colonizers, modern colonizers. And I'm not talking about the English or the Spanish or the French. I'm talking about the modern colonizers are the systems that keep us oppressed all the time. And therefore, they're, they're consumerist capitalism, they're institutionalized religions. And mm -hmm. I talk about all of them when they're institutionalized. I'm talking about white supremacy and I'm talking oh. about hierarchy. And all of them mm -hmm. are so entangled and they, they complement each other in such a perfect way that they really overpower our life and we cannot see them. There is everywhere. Mm -hmm. And when we are not aware of how those systems work, what happens is those systems became some kind of um, some kind of propaganda machine that make us believe that their ideas and values and belief about who we are, how we are supposed to behave, how we're supposed to look, who, you know, what is our identity? What is our place in the world? Those ideas, they make us believe that the, those ideas are ours and they're true. And we go by life without challenge them. What it means to be a black woman, what it means to be an immigrant, what it means yeah. to be a woman, what it means to be young, what it means to be Hispanic, what it means to, you know, everything, what it means to be uh, of certain weight or a certain shape, what it means mm -hmm. to be all that will go by life without challenge those ideas and belief. And therefore, those systems are using our brains and our behavior to stay in place, to reproduce themselves, to, to keep the status quo. But yeah. I also believe that no human being came to this world to keep things the, the same. Yes. We are here. All of us have a calling. All of us have a mission to change the way things are. The thing is that not all of us are in touch with that mission. And those that we are a little bit more aware of what our calling is, we're full of fear. And fear that don't belong to us. Fear mm. that host into us. All the threats, all the gaslighting that the system has to keep us playing small and believing that, that those things are impossible, at, at least impossible for us. So, so, the, so the, the calling for me, I mean, what, what I'm calling everybody to do is like really connect to your calling and go through the process of challenging the paradigms that you have, decolonize mm -hmm. your mind, build the skills that you need to really shake the system and do the change that you're here to do. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. I like that. <coughs> So you're you're definitely deeply involved with using the business leaders for a systematic change. Um, how do you think female leaders can uniquely contribute to this movement, and what are some of the challenges that they face when they when they do? Oh, with uh, I love that. Really, I my my clients at Massive Massive is uh, is mm -hmm. a company that I created that equip business leaders, especially founders and CEO, and especially women, um, and especially women from marginalized groups to become history shapers, or at least system shakers. Yeah. And yeah. 
And I believe, and especially in women, I believe that we have been colonized. We have been trained and programmed to believe that anything that we cannot do better than men and that if we want to succeed, we have to become one of them. We have to suppress our feminine power and our divine feminine, what I call, and Mm -hmm. other people call it, it's not my coin, but uh, to to suppress that femininity that is so powerful Mm -hmm. and to behave, and especially in terms of leadership, to follow the path of the masculine leadership style. And I think that that is not doing us any favor as humans anymore. I mean, we have centuries of evidence that the masculine leadership style is not taking us to a place where the world is more just and, equi- and you know, equality. The, the, there is no more equality or injustice for everybody. Mm-hmm. And the, the feminine leadership, the true feminine leadership, not feminine as in, you know, as we think is like cute and nice and yeah. no. The real feminine power is, if you see in the mythology, it, it explains that the feminine is destructive in a good mm-hmm. way. It's like it destroys, it, it can perceive with intuition, with that inner wisdom, it can perceive what is wrong, what is mm-hmm. out of order, what is old, what needs to change. And this is has um, what I what I call a constructive destruction, you know, is to to remove that doesn't work and then to create something new. And that is the power of the feminine energy. It is very highly creative and at the same time highly nurtured, but not just for children, it's for society, it's for the environment, it's very nurtured. Uh, The masculine leadership tends to be more linear we are more circular. We are more complex. We are more holistic. The masculine mindset and the masculine uh, leadership is more linear, is more based on order, is more based on rigid structures, which mm-hmm. are very useful after you create the good, but not instead of. So they're very complementary. I'm, I'm, I love to work with men. My partner is, is a man and, mm-hmm. and we work together on that. But we agree that we need to, right now in this world, the, the words need more of a feminine energy in the leadership because it will allow us, and you can see it in parliaments, you can see it in governments, you can see it in office. When, a fem- when, when females, when women are, or, or people socialize as women are leading, they, the agenda change, the priorities change, the budget is allocated in different ways. The, the, the way the system is structured and the way the part of the systems interact with each other is different. It's more yeah. decentralized. The power gets decentralized. Uh, the collective creativity and, and intelligence is tapped on to together solve complex problems instead of having a top-down approach, linear approach, where someone in an office thinks that is smart enough to understand the complex problems in the world and come up with solutions out of a desk and then mm-hmm. try to them, and we know that that doesn't work anymore. The feminine, the the feminine leadership style is more less less work together on this. Let's figure yeah, it out together because I only have two eyes and yeah. I need millions of eyes to understand this problem from all kind of perspectives. So that I, I think that women we have in this moment of history, we have not only a great opportunity to to step on and to say like it's it's time to change the way we're doing things because the way we're doing things are not working. Yeah. And so we need to do it differently. And it's time to instead of just I'm gonna do it, but the same way it's been is being done, I'm gonna do it in a different way. And I'm gonna use the wisdom that we have as women, that intuitive wisdom, together with the skills that we need to learn and the skills that we need to unlearn, of course, but to use that to really shake the system, like from the core. 
mm-hmm. and change it completely. But but one thing when I was talking about skills is that one thing that I know firsthand because you know I'm I've been I've been a revolutionary in many ways my mm-hmm. whole life and to the point that I think I'm the only person in Nicaragua that was um, excommunicated by the <laughs> Catholic Church not once but twice I I didn't <laughs> know that was possible but. You know, I've been a history, a, a, at least a system shaker my whole life. So I know firsthand yeah. that when you fight the system, the system fights back. Yeah. And it's hard. Yeah. And that's, that's why you see so many people, men and women, that, and, and especially women, and especially people from oppressed groups that try to challenge the system, that are activists, that really fight the system without the right mindset, without the right skills, without the right component you need, and they crush. No matter how well-intended, how passionate, how committed they are, the system has their own techniques and tactics to gaslight you, to ostracize you, to yeah. make you believe that you're crazy, to isolate you from everybody to the point that to use the emotions that you cannot manage, to use the emotions like your the emotions that come from an unmanaged ego, you know, your anger, your fears, your insecurities, to use them against you to crush you. And it can, it can be really effective. So when, when you think about I want, I have a calling. I'm here to do something. I didn't, I didn't, I was not born to keep things the the same. I want to make some change. And you go just by, you know, like trying to jump in the water and try to survive swimming without learning. What happens is you end up drowning like most people. But when you, you go back in time and you see who has, who has been the history shit, History shapers that actually have succeeded in changing history for the whole humanity, you see some traits that are, you see the patterns, you mm-hmm. see some traits that are the same. And that's what I've been studying for the past few decades and, and equip myself to help people to develop those traits. And, and that those traits are, and then this is what it really takes for, for a, especially for a a female leader or someone considered uh, female to shake the system, you need um, you need a strong brand yeah. because, because you cannot change the system by yourself. You mm-hmm. need to attract, you need to create, to become an invitation for others to join you, not to follow you, not to approve you, not to be the cheerleaders, but actually... Yeah join you in your cause. That also means that you need a very strong, clear, strong message. People really understand what your vision is about and they can contribute to that vision and they can be part of that vision. They can join you in that vision. So you need that brand, a strong brand, a strong message. You also need a good strategy. And the strategies that we have so far are so linear. I mean, you're, you're as an entrepreneur, you know that we yeah. develop and this is the masculine way of leading, you develop, we develop uh, the frame logs, you know, and the frame logs are very linear, very Newtonian way of understanding how the world works and change. Mm-hmm. We say, I'm going to do this and there, this is going to happen. And then this is going to happen. And then this is going to be the result. You know, it's like yeah. very clear, Hopefully. very straightforward. And what happens in reality is that 999 999% of the times that doesn't work. Yeah, it's, it's we true. Go back, like, I need to plan more. I need to blame someone. I need to fire someone. <laughs> so, you know, like somebody's, it's somebody's, somebody's fault. And what I need is to more details, more information to plan better. That's yeah. not the way it works. A good system changing strategy is not linear, is evolving, is yes. complex. And so those linear plans that we make that this goes to A, B, C, D, and therefore, you know, E, it doesn't work anymore. And so to to have a strategy that really will change the system, 
You cannot use that frame log. You cannot use that linear approach. You have to be more flexible. You have to really understand, have all the perspective you can have to really understand what the real problem is, not the symptoms, but the cause of the problem. And then you have to involve everybody in figuring out solutions. And you have as a leader to create the conditions to remove the obstacles for innovation, experimentations, and create the conditions and provide the research for people within the systems that we all want to change, for people to experiment, to try to see what works, to feel that, to not feel what was not working, to keep making mistakes, to to vindicate failure as a way of learning. You know, it's a completely different paradigm about about leadership and the leader, the true leader, a systemic leader is not the one that has the answers, is the Mm. one that has the best questions, is the Mm. one that invites everyone to think, what else? What are we not seeing yet? What are we missing? How can we do this better? Instead of providing answers and instructions and directions all the time, you know, is the one that step back and say like, what do you need from me? So you can solve this problem together. Is that kind of leadership is part of the strategy and is part of the leadership that we need to unlearn first, the, the ones that we know and we have yeah. applied the centuries and relearn this new one. So that's the third trait. And the fourth yeah. trait is the right mindset, is what I call an indomable mindset. Indomable is a Spanish word that loosely translates into impossible to domesticate. Mm. And it's when you understand how your mind works and you are able to master your mind, to control your mind and to master your ego, meaning your emotions, in a way that nothing, meaning the context, the past, the current events, and nobody has real power over you. And when, when nobody else and nothing outside you has more power over you than yourself, then the system has no power over you and you become somehow unstoppable. You have the right strategy. You have the right brand. You have the right message. You know how to lead a system from a systemic perspective. You have the level of conscious, the social consciousness that you need to understand how all different kinds of oppressions complement and reinforce each other. So you can see the patterns and you can see where are the leverage points in the system and where are the cracks in the system that you can use to break the system from the core, then, then you're unstoppable. Then that you can see the results. Let me ask you something. You said something that I think is pivotal is that, um, I mean, you said a lot that's pivotal, but um, for women to step more into their feminine energy and their feminine leadership. And why do you think as women, we feel that um, when we do step into that feminine leadership, men tend to look at it as weakness in some kind of way, you know? So therefore I think the reason why, I think that's probably a big reason why we tend to step into leadership and we tend to emulate what, how men are, because I worked for a lot of female leaders in the past who was very much so very, masculine energy because it felt like, Hey, this is what we have to do. And it goes back to, like you said, is what we've been embedded in us that this is how it works. This is what you do. This is how you act. If you are a woman, you got to come 10 times harder than a man. You got to show up 10 times more than them and you got to be harder than them. Why do you think that we, um, one, why do you think we have that mindset? And two, when we do step into that feminine energy, why do I guess society or leadership sometimes look at it as a form of weakness when it comes to being a feminine a woman? Uh, is you go back to the history of humankind actually because yeah. patriarchy mm-hmm. and it started with with religions actually institutionalized religions patriarchy see everything that's feminine as weak as yeah. inferior. Yeah. and and therefore you know if you consider the leader the the top in the chain, the one that is mm-hmm. the smartest, the richest, the more powerful, etc. That that doesn't allow for any weakness. And when we consider yeah. feminine traits as as weak and as inferior, anything that you bring from those feminine traits to leadership is considered a weak leadership. 
style. Yeah. And so and and is easy. The system has many loops of punishment and rewards for behaviors. That that's yeah. that, since we are kids, you know, yeah. your parents says like. Uh, you know, you're a girl, so your 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 parents told you like you have to be quiet, you have to be sweet, yes. you have to be kind, you have to be you have uh, to be seen, not heard. Seen, not heard, exactly. You you have to wait until others talk. You mm-hmm. you talk when you give permission to talk. Your opinions you cannot be opinionated. You cannot mm-hmm. be frosty. That's that that what it means is don't be a leader. But it's like no, yeah, basically, yeah. Talk, so there is a, we grew up with a set of beliefs that anything that is feminine is, is in our detriment. And if yeah. we really want to make an impact and have a change, we have to be men. But because we cannot become men unless that we are trans, but if we don't become men, then we're never going to catch up. We're never going to be at, at the, you know, in a position to actually lead with the strength. But the, yeah. you think about women's strength in this in this world in this moment, communication, compassion, empathy, the capacity to understand other people, the capacity yes. to see beyond what is obvious, the capacity to to use your wisdom and intuition to uh, to see to hurt what is not being said to see patterns, that's, that's feminine traits. The capacity to uh, think holistically, the capacity to see in, you know, 360 degrees, to even, I mean, not multitasking per se, because multitasking is a myth, but in mm-hmm. the sense that you can, you can be thinking about, um, let's say health issues and the health system, and at the same time, you your brain can make the connection between the health system and the problems with the health system, with the educational system, and yeah. with you know the social um, supportive and the social program systems. I mean, our brain is is capable of making all those associations and connections, saying like the problem here has to do with the problem here that has to do with the problem here. It's not like, let's say that the, the male brain and the way they've been socialized and trained is like trying to solve a cubic ro- uh, um, Rubik cube. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, keep, uh-huh. that magic cube. The, the, the male brain is socialized and trained and, and in some way biologically designed to solve that cube one face at a time. So I'm working on the red one. Then I'm working on the blue one. Then I'm working yeah. on the yellow one. The problem is that nobody can solve that cube one face at a time. Meaning, one face working in phases like like if they were separated from each other. You finish the red one, and when you turn around and you start working on the blue one, you destroy the red one. Yeah, that's the way it works. Yeah, the female brain is capable and we have been socialized actually to develop that skill to to enhance that skill to be thinking of the all six faces at the same time even though we are working on the red one first because only we have only two eyes but with our inner eye let's say we are we know that we're working on the red one but we're thinking how every move that we make on the red one is affecting the yellow, the white, the red, the bit, the, the green, yeah. the blue. And that's the kind of leadership that we need now. And it's been, it's been, you know, dismissed because it's part of the female traits and everything that sounds female right now in this world because of patriarchy is being dismissed and considered weak. But it's yeah. a job, really. It's not even the men's job. It's not the system job that benefits from putting us as weak and and incapable is our job to vindicate those traits and say like how the, the world will benefit from more compassion, from more holistic view, for more capacity to see patterns, to connect dots, to connect problems, to go to the roots, to be empathic, to speak different yeah. languages. And I'm not talking, you know, English, French, Spanish. I'm talking about language, other kind of languages, the different way humans communicate with each other. 
how the, the world will benefit yeah. if we have more of those traits in our leadership now. Yeah, I, I think the world benefits a lot with more traits like that, those that understanding. Um, with your background with communication or um, development, what role do you think effective communication play in driving social and organizational change? Oh, it is is absolutely crucial because yeah. humans, we we are interconnected and we are. I mean, what makes us complex as systems? The human system is complex because it's it's a it's multiple elements. Oh. Each one of us plus the environment, the technology; those are elements too. Multiple yeah. elements that are independent, but interdependent at the same at the same time. And our behavior is always in reaction to the other elements, you know, the, the behavior of the other elements in the system. So even, even in this conversation, I'm independent, you're independent. Mm -hmm. um, I know what I know. I know what I say, my, my beliefs, my values, my ideas. But I could not predict this conversation in any way. I mean, I don't know what questions you will ask. I don't know yeah. what answers you will give me, what comments you will make. I, I cannot predict that. So my current behavior is really in response, in reaction to yours. And yes. this is the communication. So what is happening in this podcast is the result. Let's say that this podcast is a small system. It's a complex adaptive yeah. system because we're adapting each other's behavior to the behavior of the other person. So this, this is more complex adaptive system. The, the behavior of this system, the result of this system is really the result of the patterns of interactions that we have, how we communicate with our body, even, you know, our gestures, our body, our tone of voice. It has, is influenced also by the environment because if we were cold, like freezing cold, or yeah. one of us were sick. Obviously, <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> our behavior is going to be different. And probably if, if I was freezing cold and you were feeling a little better, maybe the conversation will have been different. Not necessarily yeah, it's better, true. <laughs> you know? And so so communication is, is, is really the invisible links that, that make that the system that allows for the system, the elements of the system to interact and to develop a systemic behavior. So mm. communication is absolutely is absolutely essential. Is the is the is the blood of the system somehow? We needed to move things, information, perspective, behavior, reactions from one place to the other. So the system start moving and behaving in certain directions, certain way. But the way we have used communication is very top down. That's the masculine approach to, to um, leadership is like, I'm going to tell you what to do. And you, I'm expecting you to do it exactly as I told you without taking into account that you're an independent brain that, mm -hmm never takes everything literally. Yet everything we perceive is being filtered by many, many filters before yeah. it actually hits our brain. And so our past history, our experiences, our traumas, the way we grew up, the way we were raised, the way we were socialized, our sense of identity, our beliefs, our values, all of those factors are filters that whatever you said, is going through all those filters, interpreting my brain, mixed with all my, all the things that I just described, and then produce an emotion. You know, I will be like judging all the time. That's the instinct, the animal brain in me. That yeah. will be judging is like what she's saying is a threat or is good, is bad, is good, is bad. And yeah. based on what my filters and my brain is perceiving as good or bad, I'm going to generate an emotion of defensiveness, aggression, uh, empathy, uh, connection. I mean, whatever emotion is, is going to produce my behavior. And yes. that is, see how complex the process of communication is that makes it totally unpredictable. 
But when we understand how the brain works, and that's why working on your mindset is essential and understanding how the human brain works is essential for a leader to be able to lead and to be able to communicate effectively is understanding that, that, okay, how can I, how do I have to communicate my ideas and my vision in a way that everybody can not just understand, follow and obey, but actually can interpret that idea in a way that is positive and it lead us together in the direction that we all want to go. So it's not about yeah. direction, it's not top down, it's more inclusive, it's more, um, it has more nuances, it's more, it's clear, it's direct, but it's not directive, you know, it's, 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 it's yeah, it's more collaborative almost, you know? Yeah. Yes. Definitely. Um, I want to go back to complexity science. And as a complexity scientist, how do you apply those concepts to leadership and organizational development? <clears throat> That's my favorite topic. <laughs> uh, there, is, there is something called systemic leadership. And it's a, a, a leadership style that take into account the leader of... Can you hear me? Hello? Ah, oh, there you go. There you go. Oh, You're back. Okay. You went out for a minute. Okay. So okay. I, I will um, repeat that idea. So there yes. is something called systemic leadership. Mm-hmm. And systemic leadership is the kind of leadership that understand how complex adaptive systems work and change and use the patterns. I mean, even if every system is different, mm-hmm. let's say that this is this is an example that I that I use sometimes with my students is that and my clients also is that you can have 10 children, right? And you can consider yourself an expert mom at this point because you had 10 children. Mm-hmm. Number 11, you start all over again. Yeah. It's like you knew nothing. All the experience, <laughs> all the knowledge, the 200 books that I read before my, my first child was born, all that. I think you went out again. There you go. Okay. Oh, can you hear me now? I can hear you now. Yeah. All right. So all the experience you had as a mom with all your 10 children and all the books that you read and all the advice you got, all that, the only purpose, the only thing, the only use you have for that is to give you confidence that somehow you'll figure it out. Yes. That child is not going to die. <laughs> formula that guarantee the success that that child in 20 years is going to be a good citizen and is going to be successful. That's BS, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> We, the leadership, the traditional leadership style, that is the old school, use what is called best practices to import something that happened in a very unique system, in a very unique context and moment in history, and apply it from China to the United States, for instance, Mm -hmm. in a company that is not producing technology, but producing shoes, and assuming that because it worked there, it will work here like a formula. Yeah. That works for things that are mechanical. You know, like you can, you can, a, a, a Chinese person can use a spreadsheet the same way that you do. It's, you know, technology works the same everywhere. But yeah. humans were not machines. You cannot just apply a formula. You cannot just apply a blueprint and say like, this is my strategy. I did this with my first child and then therefore it's going to work exactly the same with my second child. What you don't take into account, second child is already learning from the first child what doesn't work. You know, all the thread that I'm going to count to three, it worked for the first child. The second child go like, go ahead. Yeah, standing there looking. <laughs> so it doesn't work because systems are evolving all the time. Yes. And so responding to your question that how you apply the information, the knowledge, the understanding of a system thinker into leadership is first you understand that systems are complex and always evolving, always changing, even in the direction that you like it or not, but it's always changing. 
because yeah. they're interacting and with the interaction, there are new information, there is innovation going on and there's moving, there's changing, there is evolving. So you have to be aware of that. And you cannot freeze an organization until you figure it out. It's going to keep working. It's like kids are going to keep growing. You figure yes. it out or not, they're going to keep growing and they're going to figure it out themselves. Yes. Systems are the same. Organizations are the same. So you need to understand that. You need to also uh, lead with the understanding that you don't have the answers. The system has the answers. And your role is to create the conditions for the system to figure it out. Your mm. role is not to give the answers, is not to give the solutions, is not to give directions, is not even to diagnose the problem. Your role is to remove the obstacles as a leader, is to provide the resource for the system to do the diagnosis by experimenting, by trying, by observing, by, by uh, doing monitoring evaluations to inform actions ongoing, in an ongoing way. And your role is to make sure that the system has, that you're involving everyone, everyone, each, each uh, element of the system. And I'm talking about humans mostly, but also, as I was saying, technology, information, etc., has a piece of the puzzle. If you don't integrate everything and everyone into figuring things out, you're going to miss a piece. And that piece can be the reason why the problem repeats itself later. And there is a pattern in that problem. So having a systemic approach to leadership allows you to give you the tools, but mostly the attitude and the approach to to tap into the collective creativity and intelligence to solve complex problems and to move the system in the directions that everybody wants to move, to create a shared vision. Therefore, when there is a shared vision and everybody is having the same vision somehow, you don't have to breathe in other people's neck to say, like, that's not the way. That was not, you know, imagine that you have an idea of how, what, what kind of party you want to organize and you tell no one. And then yeah. you know that everybody, because it's like, who talks about, you know, yellow balloons? This is, <laughs> yeah. a, this is a wedding or whatever. And so to, to a, a system thinker and a systemic leader is the one that helps the system to, to create together a shared vision, therefore brings a lot of autonomy. Because when everybody knows where we're going, how we get there is less important. When nobody knows what, where we're going except the one leader, then the one leader has to guide every step of every single one. And when the person, you know, yes. your collaborator, for instance, said like, okay, I have to cross the street. I have to, they said I have to go to go in this direction, straight direction to the other side of the street. And then I went there. And then a car is coming or a car is parked right in front of me. Then I go back to my office and say, like, boss, I couldn't cross the street because it, there is a park right, right in my path. Mm -hmm. but when the vision is, we need to get to the other side. Figure it out. I'm going to give you the resource, the conditions, the permissions to figure it out. Then that person gets there, see the car and say, okay. My mission is not to go in a straight line. My mission yes. is to be across the street. So I'm going to go around the car. I'm going to cross on top of the car. I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to go under. I'm, I'll figure it out because what I, what I know is that I need to be on the other side somehow. And for us, an organization, a systemic leader, that's what it does, is create, it helps the system to create a shared vision, provide the resource and the conditions and the autonomy and the power to the people in the field to make decisions to accomplish that vision. Very different to what you see right now in most organizations. Yeah, it is different. Because a lot of times it's, we are only thinking about what the leadership wants. You know, we're not thinking more in a um, collaborative guessing. space. And we do, like I said, those best practices are there. And that's how you're supposed to go. And if you hit that stumbling block, you kind of like, okay, where do I go from here? Because this is the route we're supposed to go instead of thinking we just need to get to the other side. 
And you get to the paper, it's like, what is the manual says about this? Yes, right? What does it say? Let me look at the book. Let me read this. This is what it says, but systems do change. Yeah. And the manual never never planned for the car to be stopped there. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Um, I want to talk about um, activism and how you're mentoring of women across Latin America and what are some of the the key lessons that you've gathered from that experience? For mentoring activists. Yes. Yeah. Um, I have a program is, is in Spanish so far. I, uh-huh. I'm, I'm really, I'm itching to translate it into English and to start offering in English as well. But so far yeah. it has been in Spanish, mostly because Latin America has way less resource than the United States and there is yeah. less resource. <laughs> Spanish. So as a bilingual person and immigrant and Latina, I felt like that political commitment with my region. So I started in Spanish and the, the program is called Self-Coaching for Activists. And so. what it does is, is really work on the mindset of the activist. I mean, activists know what they, the difference is that they're already leaders. They already have a clear vision. They know what is wrong. They know what needs to change. And they might have a good strategy. But as I was, I was telling you early, when you fight the system, the system fights back. Yes. And the, and the most effective way the system fights back is by crushing the leader. Yes. You're literally crushing it. Her. And the way it does it is by creating so much pressure and stress and using overwhelming your mind and your emotions and your body to the point that you get sick. I mean, one thing that I've seen, I'm I'm also work, I mean, I don't, it's not a paid job, it's an honorary position, but mm-hmm. I'm the president of the largest women's fund in Central America. And from that position, I have the 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 privilege of being in touch with social movement, not just women movement, but social movement across the continent and in other continents as well. And yes. one thing that I've been seeing in the past few years is how social movement have been have been getting weaker and weaker because their leaders are burning out. Yes. Yeah. Was yeah. that? They they see think of any activist that you know that has been an activist, like really not not changing their status on Facebook. For me, an activist is someone that really cares about social justice and is actively doing something about it, not just changing their status, right? Or reposting stuff. But think of any activist that has been fighting the system, mostly alone and under-resourced, and yeah. fighting the system for, for many years. They probably have diabetes problems with, you know, um, heart issues, blood pressure issues, burnout, yeah. depression, anxiety attacks, you know, I mean, you name it. It's because the, the if you are if you don't have the right mindset, if you don't have an indomable mindset, as I call it, yeah. where you can manage when you develop that that holistic systemic perspective of the problem and of the system and how it works and how what are the tactics to to crush you, and you don't manage your own thoughts that are the ones that are going to create your emotion, the system will use those emotions, fear, isolation, um, depression, um, you know, you you name it. I mean, all the emotions, anger to to hurt your body to the point that you become incapable of keep fighting. And that's very easy because you do it yourself. You know, that's, imagine how easy it is for the system to just, start triggering some things enough to make you, to, to get you, get yourself out of balance to the point to get yourself sick and incapable of keep fighting. Yeah. So self-coaching for activists is, is really a, a coaching program that works on the mindset and the mindset and ego mastery skills to allow activists to keep uh, that indomable, that power to keep the power intact, to to be able to face adversity, to become very resilient, 
to manage their emotions in a way that is healthy for them, to use intentionally create the emotions they need to do what they need to do to get the results they want every time to manage their mind so their minds is not driving them crazy or their minds is not keeping them keeping them down or shutting them down because that's what happens so so that's that's one of the ways i i help activists is to is by help them helping them to develop the skills to become more resilient both yeah. socially economically materially but mostly mentally and emotionally that's absolutely essential and the other way is teaching them some leadership skills so they can grow their movement they can become their organization become stronger and less dependent on them because that's what happened if you are a centralized leader i mean the, the leadership is centralizing one person that has the vision and and the passion and all that and and you have a, a uh, you know, a few people following you and you stop. Everybody stops with you. But you, yeah. are, you are a systemic leadership, a systemic leader, and you decentralize, you share the vision and you decentralize the decision-making process and you decentralize the power and the capacity to solve problems, then you become dispensable, which is a good thing. It's always a good thing. Yeah. You know, I was just going to ask you, what advice would you give any listeners who are um, aspiring socialists or um, entrepreneurs or activists, you know, if they wanted to get into this particular field? But I think you answered it in terms of like teaching them how to be resilient, you know, because you're going to fight a system, like you said, that's really going to fight you back with everything it has. Resilient, but before becoming resilient is to decolonize your mind, is to really understand how the system the oppressive systems work and how they work through you. Yes. So you stop becoming an instrument of the system that you're fighting. So that's the, and, and the system has less power over you. Yes. So then you start developing resilience. Then you start developing the skills of how you manage your mind and your emotions. And then you develop a strategy that is effective and you develop a brand and a message that is so strong and so compelling and so clear that you start building a movement around that vision. That's the the path, really. You know, looking at your um, career, looking at where you've lived and how you've lived all these different continents and work on social change, do you see, and I think you probably answered this question already, but do you see a difference when it comes to each country? Is the fight harder in some countries, because when I think about here in the U.S., of course, and, you know, we're fighting some systematic um, racism here um, and we're making some progress, you know, it's becoming a big conversation around change and women's equality and leadership and things of that nature. Do you see where in some countries the fight is a lot harder, you know, or do you feel like across all continents it's all the same fight? No, no, no. I mean, we're all fighting patriarchy, but the way it's ma- it manifests, it can yeah. be radically different. I mean, the United States, unfortunately, I've been seeing this has going backwards in terms of women's rights at least 50 years, unfortunately. And, but still, I remember a conversation I had with my partner about feminism and, and he was like, kind of like, yeah, well, you know, that the, the feminist struggles are the same everywhere. And I was like, no, no, love, there, there is a difference. Yeah. In the United States, you reach a point where the main struggles, I mean, besides health and reproductive rights at this point, of course, yes. unfortunately, but yep. besides that, until not long ago, the main struggle was uh, equal pay, was mm-hmm. you know having a third bathroom, all the gender identity issues, which is amazing. Is I I, I mean, many countries wish to have those struggles. Yeah. I said, that's what's happening here. That's what women are fighting for here in the United States. In Central America, women were fighting for the right to be alive. Yeah, yeah. In Central America, is the level of femicide is so high. Women are being killed because they're women and they're disposable and that they're, yeah. that's what they're for, right? To be used and killed. And in, in El Salvador, for instance... 
young women have to face the fact that the gangs, you know, the young gangs mm -hmm. uh, have one of the initiation tests that they have. To, you know, like when, I, when a young boy wants to join a gang, the initiation test is a, a gang rape of a young woman, for instance. So we're talking about those. In Africa, we're talking about mutilation, genital yeah. mutilation, for instance. So it, yes, the, the, the struggles are very, very different in different yeah. countries. But it all comes down to the same thing. It's like, while we still have patriarchy and institutionalized religions and yeah. white supremacy working together as systems is... The, the oppressed groups and especially women and especially women and if you add women and also women of colors and also women that are immigrants and also women that yeah. are you know of colors immigrant young poor uh, maybe lesbian and you know illiterate I mean you name it the more yeah. I oppress identities you add to the question the worse it goes for you it's because of the combination of the systems that are combining their different beliefs, sets of belief, oppressive beliefs to keep us um, oppressed and down. Yeah. Yeah. So having, having, if you really want to talk about social consciousness, you have to develop a, what I call a systemic consciousness too. It's not yeah. just about you, your fight as a woman or your fight as a, as a black person is, or your fight as a poor person It's like, no, we, we all the fights have to be fought at the same time. It has to be they're yeah. all connected, and for a reason, they're all connected. Yeah. And we have to develop that vision instead of working in silos. And that's one of the things that I think social movement have made a big mistake is that I'm working for my rights. Like, well, yeah, I'm working for my women's rights, my sexual reproductive rights, but I'm also. An immigrant, I have to work for those rights as well. And I'm also, yeah. you know, I have to work, you know, I have to work for my cultural rights. And I'm also, I'm, uh, I, I don't know, I, I'm not that young anymore, but, you know, yeah. when I, was, <laughs> I also have to work for children and youth rights. And I'm also yeah. have to work, I mean, I, I cannot be one dimension. Yeah. Nobody is. And the systems are not one dimension neither. And the struggles are not and should not be one dimension either. We need yeah. to develop that systemic consciousness that how everything is affecting and being affected by everything else and have yeah. that Rubik Cube perspective on our fights. And it's all connected. Personal, you know, you know, all the social justice consciousness too. Yeah. It's how it's all connected. This is this has been a really good conversation, Virginia. And before we close out. Um, looking ahead, are there any projects or initiatives that, um, or maybe some goals that you're excited about that you'd like to share? Yes, actually, I'm in, as part of Massive. I'm launching a new program that is called Justice Queen, and is for is a is is this is everything we've been talking about. It's a coaching program for for female leaders that especially women that are at the level of senior leaders, you know, the level of CEO, founders, yeah. that, or executive, that um, especially those that come from marginalized group an historically oppressed group and that mm -hmm. want to change the system. And I want to work with them and train them on everything they need to do it, on yes. developing a good brand, developing a strong message to the, to change their mindset, to decolonize their mind, to develop the leadership skills that are systemic leadership skills, and to develop a plan to, to bring that change about while keeping growing and getting stronger and, and tapping into that feminine wisdom to become the leader that her organization needs and the leadership that she wants to exert and to model for others too. So it's called Justice Queen for a reason because Justice I'm tapping queen. into that queen energy of those yes. that are there. I can I I know them, I see them and it's like you're a justice queen. You, you just need a little bit of guidance and coaching and skills and your mindset and your leadership skills and you're going to change the world. So I'm, I'm, ca I'm calling to all the justice queens out there 
to join me on this program because I, I think that we can make a huge impact, especially if we yeah, become Yeah, I like that. I so like I that, Justice Queen. spreading the word because I, I'm so excited. Talking about excitement. Yeah. I'm so excited about that. <laughs> Yeah, it sounds exciting. Like, I like that Justice Queen because I think the thing is, like you said, we need to learn to step into our feminine energy and not be afraid to don't think we have to lead from a masculine place. And that when it comes to the charge of trying to create change, that we must think about it as a whole, not just one person. You know what I mean? Not just, oh, I only need change for Black people. We just think, think about the entire system in order to change it all for all people, for all women, you know? And I, I'm glad that... um we talked about that and we had that conversation today because I've interviewed a lot of coaches and I think your approach to coaching is uniquely different from everyone else's when it comes to systematic changes. And I think it's definitely needed. So I appreciate you, Virginia, for being on the show today. Thank you so much. This was a delight. This was an awesome conversation. This was an awesome conversation. I learned a lot today. I'm going to tell you that. Oh, thank you. You can count on me any any time for anything. I mean, I I build connections. I I believe in that. I believe that a good connection can take you to places that nothing else, no money, no status, no, nothing can take you. That is so true. You're right. It's all about the connections. All right, guys. Listen, I am Shawnee Sanders, and this is the Girl Techno Podcast, and I will talk to you. Thank you for listening to the Girl Techno Podcast. We really hope this episode gets you one step further in your dream of becoming an entrepreneur. If you like this episode, please leave us a review. Once you leave us a review, we will shout you out on our next episode. Now, in order to qualify for the shout out, all you have to do is leave a review, screenshot the review, tag Girl Techno Podcast in your stories, and you will get a shout out in our next episode. Until then, guys, thank you so much for listening, and we will talk to you next time.